You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Everyone, this morning we have a really, really excited week. So I'm going to announce what I know I'm supposed to announce, and then anybody else, Jenny's can just interrupt me and say you miss this, you miss this. So Kathy had a situation this morning, you know, last minute. So just keep her in your prayers and all that's all good. So we have this power packed weekend, and I really want to encourage you guys to you know this. We don't, we haven't done this in a long time. You know, this is our 28th year. Um, Take it or leave it, you know, that's 28 years of doing this thing all over different countries of the world, different places. And one of the places that God called us to many, many years ago, and it's amazing how God puts things together, you know. I, could, I don't want to bore you with stories, but there's always a plan with God, amen. You don't just meet random people. So the very short version of why Elsa and his, you know, family now is we were at a Christian motorcycle rally in 1993. That's a long time ago. And my daughter was very small, and she had long hair, and we went to a little booth where they did braids. And we met a couple, which was Bear and Dove Morgan, and we became very close friends with them. Bear has gone to heaven, and Bear was such a man of God, you know, ex-motorcycle gang, you know, 30 years in prison, but God turned him around. And if you don't think God can turn people around, that's a guy that, I mean, that's a testimony right there. So through him, we met Elson, and, you know, Story goes, we've created this, this amazing relationship. And a few years back, I was adopted with much honor to me into the Salt Clan of the Navajo, which is his family. And it's a ceremony, you know, it's a whole ceremony. So, so they're family, and they take this very serious, and I take it very serious. So when Elson calls me brother, it's on a whole different plane, all right? <laughs> so um, I'm excited he's coming, you know. And, of course, also the representation that it's a, you know, I got, you know, Native American, First Nations people, in our church, and then I met Quincy, also, you know, he's from the Lakota tribe, and, um, and he's an interesting guy, Quincy, you know, he's, you know, he's half Indian and half Puerto Rican, so you guys are going to love him, <laughs> but he's, um, you know, God has given him such a message of grace, and I'm just really excited, so here's the thing, we want you to get the word out, you know, get the flyer, download it, most of you know how to save stuff on, you know how to save memes, and share them, so I'm sure you can save the picture and share it, you know. That really is the best publicity. You know, you text, you know, text 10 people, maybe one of them will come, you know, and then ask those 10 people, say, hey, text 10 people of your friends. Here's the point, you know, it's, the thing is, I know it's going to be good, and I, and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be life-changing. That's the thing. We don't just do meetings to have meetings, trust me. Just like you, I have 10,000 things we could be doing, but we take time to be here this morning. We take time. We say, you know what, this is a priority in my life. This is not something, oh, should we go to church on Sunday or not? You know, I, you know, some people have that conversation, but it really shouldn't because it, it really, you know, you don't know all the kind of stuff that God takes care of while you're here, amen? Stuff that the devil prepared, you know, you know, where the Bible says no weapon formed against you. You know, if you read all that, he says he shuts down the one that prepared weapons. You know, there's weapons that are formed against you already. Satan has already designed a plan to wipe you out or to hurt you real good. 
And in that scripture in Isaiah, he says he already figured that out, and he has shut it down. Glory to God. So there's a lot of stuff we never go through. We never go through a lot of stuff, and thank God we don't even know we don't go through a lot of stuff. So I just say, you know, keep pressing in. And I think this meeting is going to be significant. You know, I'm giving them the whole meeting. I'm not preaching. You guys are tired of hearing me, so we're good. You know, we're just going to give them the meeting, and I'm going to sit there with you and soak it all up. But here's the key. You have to try to schedule the three services, if you can. If you make it to one, awesome. But if you can get the three, you will see the line. You'll see that it's one message, that God will speak into your life one message, broken down in three services. You know, so I know people are busy and people have schedules, but make sure... The excuse that you use to not be in God's service is a really good one, all right? You know, like, oh, you know, I stubbed my toe. I don't think that's going to fly because we have chairs. You can sit down, you know. You know what I'm saying. Just make sure your excuse is, hey, I have to work. You got to work. I totally get it. You know, we're not, we're not saying that. You know, we're not saying, hey, tell your boss, you know, you got to go to church and you get fired now. We can't take care of you, so don't do that, all right? But, you know, that's the thing. And then, you know, we're having the luncheon. Everybody's invited, and the way we're doing this, and the women's ministry, thank God for the women's ministry. Boy, they, they do a lot of stuff, you know, here, a lot, a lot of stuff. The goal here is that it, it is zero cost to you. Praise God. Now, we could do it, you know, like, okay, $10 a plate, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just was in my heart to say, if this is our, and this is how you've got to look at it, you know, this is your family, your family's having a get-together, and you've been invited. All you got to do is show up, right? Well, take a bath and then show up, okay? Just take a bath. <laughs> Show up, you know, um, but that's it. You know, you just got to show up, and, and I just think it's going to be a time of faithfulness, you know. And the reason to me it's significant, maybe it's not to you, but you can even look through Heavenville. Go through Heavenville, and, again, I'm not going to talk about any churches. You know, everybody's doing whatever they got to do, but I can see a trend. When I came to Heavenville, there were a lot of churches, evangelical churches, you know, and I met with the pastors, and we had pretty good report, and we did a couple things together. We did, you know, different things. You know, 20-plus years later, they're all gone. Assembly Church is gone. Methodist Church is gone. Again, you know, not, nothing wrong with you. I, I knew these guys. Baptist Church is gone. And you better thank God Faithway still here. Because there's no reason why this should not be gone. The only reason we're here is God's faithfulness. You know, during COVID, big churches. I'm talking mega 2,000 people churches. I don't know how you do this, but I, not only one, I heard down the line, I'm talking, who? He said, yeah, so-and-so didn't reopen. I'm like, what? I know that church. It's a huge church. It's a good church. Why well, they didn't reopen? And I'm thinking, you talk about God's faithfulness that a, that a church this size, in a community this size, can still be on and still have the influence, and we're still changing lives across the world, and, you know, the Navajo Nation and Cuba. That is faithfulness. Come on, church. You, I mean, if, if, you, if you don't come for any other reason to that meeting, you should show up for that reason. God has been faithful to you. God has been faithful to this church. I'm going to get all emotional now, but God has been faithful to this family. And 28 years is a long run, guys. 28 years is a very long run. All right? So don't take it lightly. And then another good friend of mine, thank you guys for helping me with the announcements because I would have forgot all of this. Um, Dennis, you know, we've, again, through Bear Morgan, there's another connection. I met Dennis, and we've been friends since 1990. And these are just preachers I know. We've gone on motorcycle trips together. You know, he's getting Mexico. We've ministered in Mexico. We've ministered on the Navajo Reservation. And Dennis, if you don't know, Google him. If you don't know anything about him, Google him. You know, he's preached at Hillsong. He's preached um, where's it, with the guy in Seoul, Korea. Um, he's been around, you know, and, but he's a very humble guy. And he doesn't have to come here. That's the thing. You know, he could go to any church in America, and they'd 
gladly have him so. But he knows he's a friend. He's been coming to this church for years and years and years. So we have, like I said, December is coming up. And this week's coming up really fast. So the only thing I'm asking you for you is two things. Show up and get the word out. You know, that's the best publicity we have is you. If you know families that are going through stuff, people that are going through sickness and disease, you know, whatever it is, you say, get yourself to church. You know, get yourself this weekend. And we're all going to believe God's going to do some amazing things. Amen? Amen. So said that, we're not going to have anything Wednesday night. I'll say it right off the bat, you know, because we're just all going to gear up for this week to be ready on Friday. So that's that. Amen? You've been announced. And the children have been released. Thanks, Gilly. See, I'm getting all these cues from you guys. They're awesome, man. If not, I just leave the kids here. Children, you can go to your classes. Let's give them a big hand clap as they leave. God bless our future generation. <laughs> we had a wonderful weekend with our family. Wonderful we didn't kill each other at the end, so that was good. Um, we got home last night and, you know, didn't have to learn them, but I go through all the songs that we were supposed to play. And guess what? We didn't play any of them. We played one. <laughs> so, I give up. so it's been one of those mornings. So praise God. So anyhow, the presence of God is here. We're going to go right into the Word this morning, and we are on part four of this series that I started before I went to Cuba. Seems like it's, I've been on it like for three months. But it's so interesting. You know, it's so interesting to me. And, you know, last week I didn't finish, and I'm like, okay, I got my outline, you know, and I don't, I don't show up without preparing. So I did pray and study and say, okay even though the sermon's done. But then, of course, God messes with me, so I changed it up again. You know, you know, I just say, is the sermon ready? I say, well, it is, but it's been added. So we have some new insights. And I love it because that's the way it should be. Amen? You don't just prepare a sermon, put it away, and say, I'm going to preach this for six weeks and don't look at it again. You, know, you let God speak to you. So I know you're going to get something out of it this morning. Let's get into it. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you where it will take us this morning, and we thank you that we will be bigger on the inside when we leave this room than any circumstance and any situation on the outside. We receive your word, your rhema word into our lives this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, let's open our Bibles to Matthew 5. And if you're just joining us on this series, it's, it's going back even before, like I said, before I went to Cuba. So you'd have to go back in the archives a little bit. But, you know, it really is about this whole thing started. And I'll, I'll tell you where the series started. It started in John chapter 10. And Jesus begins a little phrase, which I love the way he sets it up. He says, these things I tell you so you will have peace in the world. You know, that's a wonderful, I mean, any conversation that starts like that, you are wide open to receive it. You can imagine if, if you ran to me in the street and I said, hey, Freddie, I got some information for you. I'm about to tell you something that's going to bring peace into your life. You're like, yeah, pastor, you're going to have tribulation, brother. Like, well, hey, wait a minute. You told me you were going to give me something that has me, bring me peace. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, I, I, I'm telling you something, it's going to bring you peace. In this world, you're going to go through some stuff. In other words, in this world, you're going to go through life. And when I started the series, I broke down tribulation to put, I put everything that we deal with. Marriage, children, finances, sickness and disease, divorce, depression, anxiety, you know, disaster, you name it. That's what he meant. You know, the Christian walk was never a life of expect. You know, and I know some people preach this, and it's wrong. I'll tell you off the bat, it's wrong. That the expectation of the Christian walk is to say, hey, come to Jesus, boom, all your problems are fixed, you're good to go. That is a lie, and I've heard people try to pre- present the gospel that way, and I just don't, I think it's toxic. I don't think it's healthy for anybody. Because what happens, people are going through life with all its difficulties and all its complexities, and they come to church and say, hey, come to Jesus, and everything's going to be fine. And they, they take that, and they realize something. I got Jesus now, but guess what? Life is still life. 
Amen? I'm still dealing with everything I was dealing with before, so where is this? No, see, Jesus, that's, that is a wrong gospel. Because Jesus never said, hey, come to me and your life is perfect. He said, come to me and I will give you a way to navigate through life. And I don't know how you feel, and I said it during you know, praise and worship, you know, to me, serving God is not about this. This is what God called me to do. I was serving God when he rescued me from what he rescued me from. Amen? From the hole that I was in. If I never became a preacher, if I never became a pastor, if I never did anything except play guitar in a praise and worship band, that would have never changed that. Are you with me? And that's why I say to people, you know, people can come and go from churches. They can come to this church, and that's, you know, I'm not, I don't say that's okay. It's not, but, you know, if you're in a toxic church, you probably should leave. But I'm saying your church affiliation should not really have to do a lot with your relationship. Now, if you're in a church where you're not growing, then you need to find a church where you can grow. That's bottom line, because you should be growing. But your very first thing is your connection with him. And when he says something like, in this life you're going to have tribulation, but don't fear, because I'm, I'm going to finish it, I'm not finished, I have overcome. When he refers to the world, he refers to the life that he's referring to. He's not changing channels on you. He says, in this, you could say, it in, you, could, you could paraphrase it this way, and you could still be biblically correct. You could say it this way, you could say, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But don't fear, I have overcome this world. Or you could say, in this life, you will have tribulation. Don't fear, I have overcome this life. So, you know, those, those words are interchangeable, and it gives you an understanding where we're going. So based on that, we go into, you know, we've gone through a lot of directions with this. But we come to the first sermon that Jesus preached, very first one. And, and anything in the Bible that's first... <laughs> you got to give it its, its importance. And I've got guys, you know, I grew up around this stuff, you know, took my 14-year run from God, came back. I've been around this my whole life in some form or fashion. And I've heard this message preached many, many ways, wonderful messages, and they pull some wonderful things out of it. But I never heard it established, and I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm not saying I'm the first one to say it. I'm just saying I've never heard it. I'm sure there's been, you know, you know over 2,000 years of preachers that I'm sure somebody hit it. But it has never been established to say, hey, you've got to look at this because if it's the beginning, very first sermon he preaches. And what does he deal with? He deals with life issues. And then if you continue to study the New Testament, every major doctrine that Jesus presents, or let me put it this way, every major doctrine that is represented in the New Testament, be it through Jesus' life or ministry or through the apostles, is, is dealt with in this passage. That's super interesting to me because everything... So in other words, this was the outline. Say, this is what it's going to be about, guys. And he sets up what we know as the Beatitudes. And we've been on, you know, we've been on it for a few weeks. So now, I'm going to read them, and then we're going to jump into where we need to be. So Matthew 5, verse 116. Again, very first message of Jesus, the longest message of Jesus. And, it, and it's, to me, it was you know, the foundations of character and the ethical guidelines. You know, he was basically setting up, this is what we're about. He's talking to people. He's talking to his disciples. He goes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger for thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. I love how you all that right because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you now 
Jesus was not really coming up with any brand new revelation. He's really resonating a lot of things from the Old Testament. He's going back, you know, pulling stuff from David, pulling stuff that Moses said, pulling stuff that Isaiah said. And he's building it into one concept. So that's to me, is really interesting. But once you, start, you get into it, you know, and we broke down um, last week, you know, what the word blessed was. I'm not going to take time on that again. If you're really interested, you can go back and get to the podcast or the archive on Facebook live. I want to go down to where we stopped last week. And the last one we dealt with last week, I believe, was blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And, and you know, kind of recapping last week, it really talked about the ability to show forgiveness and compassion for the suffering and the needing. You know, mercy, and again, I'm just kind of, you know, tapering off last week. Mercy is such a quality of a believer. And mercy is the ability to have compassion. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it in my definition. Mercy to me is the ability to have compassion, even though your life is complete, a complete wreck. I'm just going to say it. You know, because when your life is, is, is under harsh circumstances, it really becomes inward, right? Everything becomes about you. And again, that's human nature. That's normal. But mercy is having the ability to still love people, still navigate through this compassion and love that Jesus gave us, even, again, ugly people, forgiving the unforgivable, forgive, you know, the hard things of life. He said that's the blessing. Blessing are those that are full of mercy. And I love it. So just kind of finishing my notes from last week, showing mercy to others includes both the forgiveness of the sinner and compassion for the suffering and the needy. All right. This is the one that grew so much in the last couple of days. So let's get into it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And, you know, we're going to break that one down. So it describes first and foremost an inner purity, but also describes singleness of mind. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on this point because this one's pretty interesting. Again, I've, I've heard this preached many times, and I've never heard anybody really dig in a lot into, into any of these, especially this one. And I started digging it out. So the first thing I wanted to figure out is what exactly, are, you know, we have to define and be really clear on a couple words here. Number one, you have to know what, what he refers to by heart. And, and that, is a, that is not an easy word in the Bible, trust me, because sometimes it, it seems like, the, you know, the New Testament will use the word heart and it will lean more into the spirit of man. Sometimes the word heart will lean more into the soul of man. And... You just got to have to read and understand how that works. I don't want to bore you down with you know, a lot of theology and stuff, but what it means at its core, the word cardia, which is the word that, that is used there, it really indicates, it does, it does talk about the physical heart, but you know that it's not, it's not going to refer to your blood pump. So let's, you know, let's settle that. It's not referring to your organ. He's referring to something else. So it refers to the core. Now, this is, this is important. So in this, he says, blessed are the pure at the core, in their heart, you know, what makes you, you, the core of you. So it actually is the soul, but it also includes the spirit. So it's not just talking about the spirit or just talking about the soul. It is really the core of a person. So blessed are the pure in their core. And we really got to talk because religion has come, come in and a lot of stuff come in. So we're going to, you know, break this down this morning. And hopefully you walk out of here with understanding something and, you know, and, and having a, Really, all this is to, to really set you more in a direction. How, how can I put it this way? Of having peace with God. I think that's one of the biggest struggles we have because, you know, if we had a bad week, if we said something we did, and if we got in a situation where, you know, maybe we lied or, you know, you know and don't, 
I know you guys look hyper-holy, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, just life. We, you know, immediately, I'm going to say Satan, but, you know, you're not going to hear the devil, you're not going to smell sulfur, that the immediate thing that comes is condemnation. I mean, just miss church for a while. You just miss church, it's hard to come back, right? I mean, you miss one week, like, I'll, I'll be next week, then something comes up next week, and then before you know it, you've gone a month. And now it's really hard to get back because the devil's like, oh, me, that, look at you. But what's that, you know? That, that is just garbage because that is the one thing that he's going to build on. If he can just separate you, separate you, separate you. So we're going to talk about what is this purity thing because purity that he's referring to is not holiness. And that's where the confusion comes because they said, blessed are the pure. So right there, we built a lot of religion on, around this idea of pure, purity. Okay, we've got to be you know, squeaky clean. And we, we talked about that a few weeks, you know, trying to break out the definition of holiness and really what it means in the Bible. Because if holiness is about perfection or purity is about perfection, guess what? Everyone in this building and everyone watching me online has been disqualified. Say, you can say amen to that because that sets you free. You're not perfect. Some of you are like, oh, really? Yeah, you're not. You know, somebody might have told you you were. Maybe your mama told you you were perfect when you were a baby. But no, you're not. You're an imperfect being. That's why you need a perfect God. Amen? And guess what? With God in you, you're still going to be an imperfect being. You're just going to make, you're going to be less dumber. Let me put it that way. Because <laughs> God, you know, God makes us smart. You know, when I was without God, I made a lot of dumb things. You know, if it wasn't for God, I'd be dead. Let me just put it that way, okay? God came in. I started making a lot of smart choices, you know, made a few dumb ones along the way, but we're still alive. So God, you know, he brings, so purity, get delivered of that. You know, purity is not about, oh, that's not going to happen to me because I, you know, I, I have all these issues and I, I'm still struggling with this. And str- well, that's not what it means. So we're going to break it down. So number one, heart is the center or core. Let me just read my notes here. And the core of all being, pay attention, is spirit. I got it up here, so if you want to read it, I'm just reading that. So this is what really interesting to me because the core, you're, you're, you know, whatever you are, let's say you're, you, know, you are the person, soul, spirit, soul, and body, at the end of the day, you're not nothing without spirit. So you've got to... Put, I'm trying to find the right word. You've got to blend those to understand the scripture because he's referring to both. So let me read it again. It is, it, it's a word, the word card is indeed used to indicate the physical heart, but its primary meaning is the center or core and the core of being a spirit. Now, the other word that we, we got to is the word seed, which is the word optomai. That's the Greek word. And it has a dual meaning just as a word translate says obtain mercy. It means both, listen to this, to see, and I love it, and to be, un, you know, to see and to be unseen. In other words, it means to be see, to see, I'm sorry, to see and to be seen. In other words, let's go back. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When it says you will see God, it doesn't, it's not referring to just one direction. You got me? It's bi-directional. In other words, blessed are those that pure in heart because they will see God means I see him, but guess what? He sees me. Isn't that cool? He sees me. That, to me, just made my day because sometimes, you know, we navigate through life like, you know, God doesn't even care. God doesn't know what I'm going through. Oh, yeah, he does. He knows every detail about it. You know, why is he letting me go through this? Well, you know, that's a loaded question. You know, we could answer it a lot of ways. But that's not, that's not what we're trying to hear. So, so see and heart are really important to understand because both of them actually talk about an, a, an interaction almost like a marriage. In other words, it's not just, okay, we're going to worship this ginormous God and maybe he'll just maybe take a peek at us. No, 
It's talking about a full interaction. So when you go back into that understanding, say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those that at the core of their spirit are willing to look and to be seen. Blessed are those that at the core of their heart, they have nothing to hide from God. Now, now do you see what purity means? In other words, you, and I'm going to give you some scriptures to back this up. But he's saying the pure in heart is not about being perfect. It's about that you are open to put your heart right there. With all the little whatever it has in it. In other words, you are open to bring your soul to God and say, God, my soul needs some help. My thinking is toxic. My thinking is wrong. I have anger. I have this. I have that. You know, and that is really where this is. Blessed are those that are willing to open it up, that their core can be seen by God, but at the same time, God will be able to see it. In other words, you are open. You are open for growth. To me, this is one of the really important points because this is the one that I think will help you not backslide. This is the one that will help you understand more about God. Because really, the more it's amazing, though, you say, well, we've been doing this for 28 years. The more, you, the more I, I understand about God, I know it's going to be weird. I don't want to run you off the church. It just seems the less I know. <laughs> it's, I mean, because I had revelation, you know, 20 years ago. I had revelation 15 years ago. I had, and not that that revelation has been wrong, because I don't see it as wrong, but I see a depth, and I see something I hadn't seen before. That's called growth. Amen? And so God will give you something at this level, but if you keep this purity apart, and I'm going to break this down a little bit more, he will just continue to add and add, because not only are you trying to see him, he's trying to see you. And I'm telling you, there's no better place to be, because now your whole life is involved. Your whole family is involved. Your business is involved. There's really nothing left unless you, pay attention, you choose for him to unsee it. Well, I don't, you know, pastor, I won't do it. No, but what do we do? We come to church, we worship God, you know, get really spiritual, but then, you know, for those of you that have your own business, have you, do you pray over your own business? Do you bless your own business? Do you speak life over, or you work for somebody else? Do you bless your company? Do you pray for your company? Do you pray for that boss that you can't stand? to start, so. The very few that were here, because that is really what he's saying. You know, when you see and he is seen, now you look at your job as much as you might say you dislike that job. Or, or, and that's another thing. You're going to need to fix your mouth. Because if you're over there, I hate my job, then my question is, what are you doing there? Be a man or a woman and resign. No, I can't do that. Okay, then bless your job. <laughs> Option two, right? Option one, do I hate on it and curse it and curse my boss and curse my coworkers? Or do I become this person that understands that God is seeing me, not in some judgmental way, because that's what we're saying. God is watching you. You know how many grew up with, Diosito te va castigar, eh? How many grew up with that? I grew up with that, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that, Diosito te va castigar. I mean, it's like, oh, God, you know, everything I do, God's, no, no. He wants, the scene is involvement. God knows what you're up to. I mean, when you sin, and you tell him you sin, it's not when he found out. It's like, oh, my God, you did that? Well, he's going to say, oh, my God. He'd say, oh, me, I guess. <laughs> oh, my me. You did that? I'm trying to work this, Liz. I'm trying to work this. Come on, people. You know, this is not that hard. <laughs> you know? All right, let's keep this good. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. This is going to help. No, I'm sorry. Go to, go to Psalm 17, 15. And I'm reading out of Passion. It has to be the Passion because 
they brought it home. So, and I, I skipped one comment, but I'll bring it back. It says, as for me, this one really brings it, as for me, because I am innocent, pay attention, that's it, because I am innocent, I will see your face until I see you for who you really are. I will be satisfied in an awakening of your likeness in me. This is so, so profound. I mean, in the light of what we're learning. Because the psalmist says, as for me, then he says a little idea, because I'm innocent. Well, you know, this is Old Testament, so for him to be innocent, he'd have to present, you know, sacrifices and so forth and so on. That's fine. But for us, that's called Jesus. That's called, I don't deserve any of this. I'm not good enough to get any of it. But I came to the cross, and I gave my life to Jesus, and that in my brokenness, I said, God, come into my heart. That makes you innocent. That automatically makes you innocent. Now, you've got to maintain that, right? Because when you miss it, you just go, First John says, if we sin, we repent. Move on. He is faithful to, y'all are here, to forget your sins. Forget. Not just forgive, forget. So in that, in that site, the psalmist says, because I am innocent, because I don't owe anybody anything, Pay attention. Because of Jesus' grace, because I one day in my life, I said, Jesus, come into my heart, not because of faith, wait, not because of your denomination, not because of what, how you were brought up. It's because one day you said, Jesus, I need you involved in my life. Because of that, because of that, I am innocent. And because of that, I have a right to see your face. Huh? Most of us are scared of that because we're always carrying that guilt trip. We're always carrying the condemnation. Because most of us, you know, if, if somebody rang the doorbell and you said, you know, who is it? And, it, and it's, it's God. First of all, you probably wouldn't believe it. But if you did believe it, you probably wouldn't want to open that door. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you, you know, God's outside? Like, dude, God's outside. God's outside. You go. You know, in the Old Testament... You probably wouldn't even open the door because you don't even answer text or the doorbell or anything, right? But, you know, most of us would have a fear of that. God's outside. The one that, you know, breeds galaxies at your door. The very first thing you you would go through, you'd go through your, oh, my God, let me see where I messed up. (laughs) That'd be your first file. You'd be looking through your file. Oh, before I open this door, is there anything I didn't repent of because he's going to strike me dead? See, in the Old Testament, I was about to say this, in the temple worship, when they built the temple, you had the outer court, the inner court, so forth and so on. But when you got to the Holy of Holies, that was the, the whole, you know, the, the, the veil or the curtain, they say, was three feet thick. Imagine a curtain that is solid three feet thick. And it was huge. That thing probably weighed tons. I mean, how do you even make a curtain three feet thick? I guess you just... You know, keep building curtains until it gets three feet thick. And it was so thick because the glory of God was so strong in there that if, it, if any of that glory came out, and I'm talking Old Testament when people weren't righteous, and that glory just hit anybody, boom, you're done. That's how powerful the stuff was. That's why it was a sacrifice. You had to be holy. So they protected the presence of God. And the only person that could go in there was the high priest. But what's interesting about the high priest going in there is they would tie a rope to his foot. With a bell. You can study all this out if you want. And he would take the blood of the 
the animals. I'm talking Old Testament. It's not New Testament. But the New Testament is a representation of this. That's the blood of Jesus. And he would take this blood and he would sprinkle it on the altar. And that would take care of the sins of the people. Well, the reason he had a rope and a bell was because if he wasn't holy, 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 super hyper holy, he would die. And nobody dared go in and get his body. This is true. So if he's dead, they had the rope. (laughs) Pull him out. Get another high priest, throw him in there, see how holy he is. I know that's, but that was, you know, what I'm saying is we have lost with our modern Christianity and our lax way of dealing with God and just kind of, you know, Jesus is my homeboy type of stuff. We have lost that. He is still holy. And he is still that holy. And the only reason not all of us are not dead this morning because his presence is here is because we have Jesus in our hearts. Because our flesh could not handle his presence. Our flesh would just implode on ourselves. That's why they had the rope and the bell. The bell meant he's still alive. They hear. Okay, he's alive. And then all of a sudden they hear. And no bell? Okay, pull him out. Oh, it was serious. I know it sounds funny, but it was very serious. So now with Jesus, guess what happens? We have every right to walk into the Holy of Holies, to sit down, have some coffee with God, not lose the honor or respect. Remember that. That's big to me. But that's the relationship he's looking. So when he, you know, this, this one really makes, brings it home about what Jesus was saying. I will see your face. And I like this thing. This is just stirring up some stuff in me. I'm trying, I don't know if that's a sermon series for next year or what, but it's just stirring up stuff in me right now every time I read that. Until I see you for who you really are. You see, we have a version of God. We have a church version of God. We have a movie version of God. We have a mama's version of God. We have a denomination version of God. We've got a faithway version of God. But at the end of the day, I want to see him for who he really is. You know, I want to see him, how he relates to my life. Now, we need this. We need information because, you know, you come here to learn. And hopefully, you know, what I teach are the building blocks for you to build a better relationship. But if you're just here to learn a bunch of Bible, you know, good for you. But it's not going to help you in your relationship. Now, if you take these truths and say, you know what? I have a right to see God. I've been under condemnation my whole life. I've been beat down by people. Every time I make a mistake, every time I mess up, I feel I'm, you know, I'm going back to square one. I take one step forward and I take 14 back. Anybody feel that way in your spiritual walk? I have. You know, all it takes is one bad day for you to feel like you've lost everything. All it takes is one bad decision to say, oh, you know, well, what, you know ¿para qué hago esto? No. That's what religion has taught you. That's what churches have taught you. That's not what God taught you. And I really believe, you know, speaking, I don't want to say this prophetically or not, but I just really believe for the most part we have not seen, I'm talking the body of Christ is global body of Christ, not faithfully, global body of Christ, everybody that's, that proclaims Christianity, that proclaims Jesus as, as their, you know, their head. I don't believe we really have seen him for who he is. We have ideas and we have glimpses. But do we really know? So, you know, I'm saying that's why these Beatitudes, going back to what I opened with, these were foundation things that Jesus said. Guys, we got to get this. If we don't really get this, then everything else I'm going to teach is pointless. Because these were the foundations. I mean, think about how much time we're spending on this one point. The importance of being able to see God face to face. In the life of Moses, you know, Moses had this desire. He says, God, I want to see you. And God said, no, you'll die. He said, no, you got to show me your glory. 
I mean, I, you got to love Moses. I mean, he stuttered, so it was probably like, show me your book. I mean, he was. He could talk. That's the truth. I'm not, I'm not being silly. He couldn't talk. That's, you know, God pick, picks the most awkward people, thank you, to do his work. And he goes to guys, I want to see your glory. He says, I can't. You'll die. He says, but I'll do something. I'm going to walk by, and I'm going to cover your eyes, and you'll be able to see my backside. And that was enough. And the Bible says that his face was so bright with the glory that nobody could look at him. Think about it. Imagine if that happened today in your workplace. I mean, I'm not being silly. Imagine if we carried that kind of reflection. Think about it. I mean, you walk into an ER and everybody just walk out. Not because of you, but because glory showed up. 100% glory. So there, there, there can't be sickness and glory. Amen. I mean, this is what we're talking about. You know, it's not just a cute little beatitude. He was talking about, can you see my face? Can't do, are you brave enough to see my face? That's the other one. Because a lot of us, again, going back to my little analogy, if God, if God was to ring the doorbell, are you, are you just like, hey, come on in? Or would you have that moment of, am I worthy? Am I right? Just... Remember we talked about that one last week? Blessed are those. That includes righteousness. No, you are. And God is calling us. So this, this one to me, I mean, like I said, that idea right there, to see you for who you really are. Because once you are, once you see God for who, you, who he really is, guess what's going to happen? I will be satisfied. And I think one of the great losses of Christianity and a lot of these empty chairs that People came and they gave up or they just couldn't stay with it or for whatever reason they walked away, they got offended, whatever. To me was that, that they really could not see God for who he really was. Because if you could see God for who he really is, you would never walk away from him. You would never go anywhere else. Amen? This is not about changing your religion. This is about getting rid of religion. Because religion is one of the greatest, and I say religion is not a religion, so don't put a name on it. That just means a spirit or my definition of religion is always what man thinks about God and relationships with what God thinks about us, right? So we create all these religions. That's why we have all these religions because, well, I think it's like this. And the guy said, well, no, I think it's like that. And, uh, that. So now you've got the first church, the second church, and all the other churches. Not that anybody has the whole truth. We'll just be happy with that because the Bible says we know in part. But at the end of the day, one of the greatest things that has happened is that people are not taught. I mean, one of the greatest damages that the religion has brought is that we have told people you're not worthy to see God. And since you're not worthy to see God, I'm going to see God for you. Guess what? That's Old Testament. That's not the New Testament. Everyone in this room, everyone watching me online, if you say Jesus come into my life, you have every right to see God as anybody else. Yes. You're, you know, the moment you say Jesus, you have a right to walk into the Holy of Holies and have a conversation. But religion has scared us. Religion has made all this stuff in our life to put us away. Give me the next one, RJ. Let me, let me Get moving here. Let's look at this one. This is going to help you. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's bring it into the New Testament. We can all draw close to him. Pay attention to this now, because this is a key. With the veil removed from our faces. So that is conditional. It is totally conditional. If you want to be in the presence of God, you're going to have to get rid of the veil. So let's talk about this veil. He says, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. That's, that's what I was telling you. And then he goes on to say, if that's not enough, 
we are being transfigured. Now, most of you didn't wake up this morning thinking, ooh, I look like Jesus, did you? No, actually, if we, if we, if we were talking emotion, we'd probably look more like the other guy. You might have said H word when you saw yourself in the mirror. Wow, I look like that guy. What is he talking about? He's talking about the same experience that Moses had. That we get to see him. And, and again, don't, don't get me wrong. We're not talking, you know, if God wants to show himself physically to you, glory to God. I've never seen him, and, and I don't care to unless he wants to. Because probably, you know, that would be a life-changing experience. But my point is, once we remove the veil, we get to see him. And we get to see him not in, maybe in a physical form, but we get to see him everywhere. We get to see him, you, you, you know, you, your, your child will say something. Three-year-old kid, four-year-old kid will say something, and it will be completely prophetic into your life. You got to see God. You're going down the highway, and an accident happens, and somehow you weren't affected by it, and you should have been. Guess what? You saw God. That's how you see God. You know, you get a bad doctor's report. You know, you pray over it. You do what you got. Now you're healed. You, got, you just saw God. Your marriage was going down a slippery slope. But somehow you brought this thing to God, and now your marriage is happy, you guys are doing good. Guess what? You saw God. See, we see God in this form, you know, the glory of God. But this is like, this is the scripture. Is, you know, I've heard it preached, but I don't, a lot of people don't spend a lot of time because it's too deep. It really is too deep, because if you really dig what he's saying, he is saying, once you remove the veil, you will reflect the glory. That's about as simple as it gets. So that means when you walk into stripes, now people are going to fall out, but people will know. And the people, and this is true, people that don't know Jesus, and you walk in after you've been in the presence of God, you're going to get two reactions. Some people are going to look at you like, what are you doing here? Like, you never get that? Or is it just Heavenville that people are like that? No, you walk into a place, there's people that are glad to see you, and there's some people that are affected by you. And the people that are affected by you, they don't even know why they're affected by you. I'll tell you what, it's the spirit in them that's affected by you. You know? And that is what he's referring to. Let's break it down. It says, we can all draw close to him. How many? All of us. With the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move. Listen to this. I love it. From one brighter level of glory to another. In other words, we go from glory to glory. And the word glory means Shekinah or heavy with everything good. Oh, glory to God. I'm starting to preach myself happy now. He takes you to glory. It's good. He takes you to another level of good. And this glory transfiguration comes from the Lord. That's what I said right at the beginning. Who is spirit. Now, again, we're going to spend a lot of time on the scripture. I'm not. But meaning that he's going to come with his everything through his spirit. But the church has to learn to recognize. And I was reading something. It wasn't, actually it wasn't even Christian it's not a bad thing. I forget where I read it, but it was a very good story. And they were talking about, I'm trying to get the details so I don't mess it up, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the analogy is, which is great, and it refers to this idea. Because sometimes, you know, we come to church and we say, hey, you need to change your life. Okay, yeah, I do, you know. But that idea, change your life, that phrase, that's why a lot of people stay away from church because think about what I just said, change your life. That's not that easy. I mean, that's pretty complicated. You got your life. What are you going to change? You go back to Walmart. Can I have a different life? Uh, this one's not working. I got the receipt. This one's too fat and too mean. Give me a skinny body and a nice person, you know. 
It doesn't work that way. So what is he referring to? Change your life, right? So the glory reflects. And the very first thing the glory does is he points out little things in your life. Little tiny things. God is never about, you need to fix this. I've never had that experience with the Lord. It's always like, you need to fix it. 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 And it's a little scratchy little bug that never leaves you. Guess what? That's the glory. He's trying to get you to reflect something. And the longer you fight that glory, you just, he'll, he'll love you. You know, you'll, he'll love you to see him face to face by the grave. But you won't, you're not going to get, you're not going to advance. That's why you see people in church, you know, God deals with them about little things. Well, you know, this is my temper. No, it's not. If God's dealing with you about your temper, you need to fix it. Or you need to start the process of fixing it. Where I'm going with this, the story was, you know, we have this mirror. And we tell people, this is really what we're saying. Come to Jesus and we'll give you a brand new mirror. Brand new life. No, you don't get a brand new life. You come to Jesus with a mirror that's dirty. It's all, and this is the analogy that I saw, it's all dirty. And the story was that if we keep scrubbing this glass and keep taking the dust and taking the stuff away and we keep polishing it, we're going to get back to the original mirror. God's not trying to change your life. He's trying to get your life to reflect his life. You see what I'm saying? And your mirror, per se, before you come to Jesus, is covered up with all kinds of sin and all kinds of darkness and all kinds of goofiness and weirdness and whatever. And Jesus says, come here. He takes out his Holy Spirit Windex and he starts a little bit. Sometimes it's a little painful. Sometimes it's a little painful because, you know, your body is so used to not. In other words, there are things in our life, church, that we think they're part of our personality and they're not. They're not. They were put in there by your parents or they were put in there by your experiences or they were put in there by bad experiences. And Jesus says, no, just, just settle down with me. Calm down. Blessed are the pure in heart. That is it. Because they will see God. And the pure in heart is this, is that Jesus taken, you know, just slowly just scrubbing and scrubbing that mirror. Let's keep reading. We are being transfigured. That is a process. That is not a one service. Come to church. You got this. This is a lifetime experience. That every time we come to church, I got to believe that a little more of that little mirror just got polished a little bit more. Because I know my mirror is still not shining. It's not reflecting his glory completely. I'm honest with you. So I got to go back and say, what areas of my life? And, you know, and I've changed. I've had to change, you know. I've, I try to be, and I'm, I'm kind of leading into the next point if we have time. But this one and being a peacemaker are like this. When you, when you start ex- working this one, you will become a peacemaker. You, you will not like strife in your life. You will create things in your life to have peace. Everything about your life will be, I want peace with my kids, peace with my marriage, peace in my finances, peace in my health. You'll change the way you eat just because you know you've got to have peace with your body. So, uh, you guys don't want to hear that one, right? I mean, this is important, but it's not, it's not easy if you try to do it on your own. What, what makes it easy is when you let the process work. And you keep coming, you keep focusing, and you keep doing this. The transfiguration, I'm so excited because this, this will only be complete when you see him face to face. So stop worrying about being perfect. Stop worrying, oh, I'm not holy. I'm not this, I'm not that. No, you're a believer. And the believer has a right to these things. And the glorious transformation comes from the Lord. In other words, all you got to do is settle down and let it happen. Because we're always working it. We're always working it. I got to, oh, I cussed. Get some soap. Wash your mouth out. <laughs> I'm sure you don't do that. But, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. You know, bad word came out of your mouth. Oh, 
I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm, no, you're good enough. You just got to let the process work. You got to let the process work. Blessed, blessed are those that have a heart that is willing to see. That's basically what he said. And that is, you know, I don't know. Let me give you one more and then we'll finish this point. So I was breaking it up, and I already hit this a bunch of times. You can go to the next slide. So I read, you know, the story of the dirty mirror. I already shared that. But these are some of the things that I see that are veils. And these are things, when I say this, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not throwing stuff at you. I'm just taking stuff from my own life experience, my own walk with God. And I found that some of the greatest veils that had to re- be removed in my life was, the first one was religion. Oh my God, I have so much religion. I still do. You know, when you grow up, and again, nothing wrong with wherever you grow up, but if you're not careful, you know, you, you grow up with based ideas totally on what man taught you. And every time you come in and you see something in the Word, you're like, wow, but I was taught this and I was taught this. So, so you keep fighting that, fighting that. Or you say, no, that's too good to be true. I'll just submit to my religion. And I'm not, you know, okay, I'll go to church. But this idea of me seeing God, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go there. That's religion. The other one is false expectations. And I've said that a lot of times. You know, I've already mentioned it a few times this morning. But, you know, what are your expectations? Or let me put it this way. Where did your expectations about what God is supposed to do or not do come from? Did it come from a preacher? Did it come from me? If it came from me and, and I didn't preach it, I apologize. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't want to build those expectations. But I've heard, you know, you hear it all the time. You know, give $1,000 and God will. Oh, really? And so, you know, here comes a, somebody that's struggling financially, going through a very difficult time in their life. They love their church. They love their pastor. They love God. And, and somehow they put $1,000 together that's, you know, and give it to the church. And then the next month they get kicked out of their house and they lose their car and and now they're going to blame God for that? No, you had a false expectation based on wrong information. In other words, you went out on, you know, you should have spent more time because there's no, nowhere in the Bible does it say if you give $1,000, God's going to give you a million back. Now, they take ideas, you know, the 30s. I know all this stuff. Come on, I've been doing this 30 years. I, you know, I believe in prosperity, but I don't believe in that prosperity. I believe in the blessing. I don't believe in conning people. God can't take care of me, I guess what? You can't. <laughs> Amen? I mean, if God can't take care of me, I can guarantee you can't. Likewise, you know, I can't take care of you. God can. So religion is a big one. And every time, you know, and I, I said this in Cuba just a few weeks ago, every time you hear something, especially something like this morning, and it, and it hits your religion, you need to make a decision. Do I go where the word is taking me? Or do I just stop at that crossroads and stay with my religion? Because the word will do that. I, do, I know. Trust me, I know. Because that was my experience the first th- few years of my Christian walk. You know, when I came back to God, it was like this. I grew up Baptist. I went to Christian schools. I had a lot of word in me. And I'd read things. I'm like, nah, that can't be right. That's my religion. And I have to make a choice. Do I go where the word is pointing? Or do I just stick here and say, nope, I don't agree with that. I challenge you. I really do challenge you that anything I preach... Anything I say or anything you hear from anybody, because I know you guys hear from everybody, that's fine. I challenge you. Make sure you check it out. I really do. You know, check this out. I mean, that's why I spend so much time studying, because I'm putting myself out there online where people can come back and say, no, Pastor Box, look, this is what the Scripture says. So i got to make sure. And, you know, I get it wrong. I'm I'm human just like you. But I'm going to spend a lot of time basing my information on not only one Scripture, historical context, biblical. I mean, I spend a lot of time saying, okay, this is what the Word says. 
And I've dug it from the Old Testament, and I've confirmed it with the New Testament. I say, okay, that, I'm pretty confident that I can release this now because I have the biblical foundation to do it. Now, that responsibility is my responsibility, but it's also your responsibility. When you hear something and it hits your religion, don't just throw it away and say, now, that's not Pastor Box is wrong or so-and-so is wrong. No, just say, okay, Lord, you're my dad, and you love me, and you are not going to lead me down a path. That's it. You're not going to lead me down a path where I'm deceived. You're not going to lead me down a path of unrighteousness. You're going to lead me down a path of your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. That's what the psalmist said, amen? That little prayer, whoo, man, you, you go back home today, pray that little prayer. It's not like there's anything else to do. Cowboys aren't playing, so you guys have nothing to do today, all right? You go home, dig it up. Say, okay, that's what he was talking about. Or call me and say, Pastor Box, you were wrong. Or, Pastor Box, can you help me with this? And I'll help you with it. I'm trying, I mean, I love this stuff. You might be bored after you ask me because I'll keep you on the phone for two hours until I'm done. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have asked that, right? But what I'm saying is you've got to be comfortable with the voice of God in your life. And anything I say, your spirit is the first one to go, yay, or mm, no. The spirit of God in you bears witness. That's what Romans chapter 8 says. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Is this this message bearing witness? You know, I don't know. If if it's not, then check it out. But a lot of times, a lot of the reasons we don't have, we don't have the, you know, the desire to see God. Well, we have the desire, but we don't have, I'm trying to find the right word, the courage maybe to see God. Because this is one of those messages like, do you really want to see him? I mean, do you really want to see him? Because, you know, he'll show you things to make you better. And sometimes people don't like that. Amen. That's how it starts. You know, this beatitude is really about opening your heart up and say, okay, God, there's nothing left. I've removed the veil. Another, you know, the veil is shallowness. I've, I've kind of hit three. You know, religion, false expectations, and shallowness. You know, the church is so shallow. And, and I'm not talking this church. Christians, they believe some funky stuff, God. I mean, you know, the Bible is, you got, you know, what's in the Word, but you go around this thing and you see stuff, and, you, and again, I'm not, no judgment at all, please, but you see stuff and say, how, how can Christians fall into these things? How can Christians go down that path? And, I, and the answer is they're shallow. In other words, you know, again, going back to that simple example, if somebody says, you know, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir something up, but that's what I do, right? Um, Share this meme ten times and God will prosper you today. That's shallow. Press like and good fortune will come by the Lord. Haven't found the scripture. First to Facebook, chapter 3. You know, Jesus came on a tortilla. Let's go look at the tortilla. That's shallow. I know I'm stepping on some toes, but that's shallow. God is way deeper than that. He's way beyond that. And when we think, you know, you know, Jesus is moving, you know, the shaking this tree down here on, you know, by Hillcrest, I'm almost thought, oh, Jesus is shaking the tree. You know? I know I'm being completely silly and a little ironic, but but sometimes, you know, that's the shallowness. That's the shallowness. I got a little story about your mom, so I'll be careful. Y'all's mom. I love her to pieces. The reason we're in this building is Miss Gladys, by the way. 
God used her to do whatever we do. There was a tree. Remember that? That would always come up here? You probably don't know. There was a little tree that would always, we'd cut it down and it would grow right there. And it was just annoying because it was right, right in the front. And we'd cut it down and it would pop up. And Miss Gladys said, it's because God is trying to show us something. And I go, I say, Miss Gladys, that's not what it is. So I came back and I uprooted the tree. It never came back up. And I say, Miss Gladys, it's gone. She just, she, you know, you're mine. She gave me that little look like, I would mess with her a lot. You know, I loved her to pieces. But I was, you know, and, and I'm not saying she was shallow, but that's a lot of people get on these things. Right? I'd say, boys, you know, I need a sign. If the light turns green, it's going to turn green. That means I've got to get a divorce. Green. Oh, that's a sign. Really? That's shallow. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm playing these things because the veals are these things that, that, you know, we picked up. You know, the five wishes. Give me $100, you get five wishes. And, da, 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 and it, it never stops. You see it on Facebook, and you see Christians. You see, I see some of you guys. Yes, let me post like on this one, you know, so I get my whatever. And again, God bless you for it. But that is shallow. God is not that. God is way beyond that. Now, if that's your, you know, if that's your thing, you know, you know what? God doesn't even bother by that. It's not like he's against you by that. The only problem, he's like saying, if they would just come in closer to spirit, they would see all this nonsense. And I don't know, you know, it's not that anybody's spiritual or more, you know, maybe it's my upbringing and my past, when I, when I walked in, it just seems like every time you were in a service where there was some of these shenanigans going on, I immediately would pick up on it. And I'm like, and people would get all routed up about it. I'm like thinking, they don't see it. They don't see that that's just flesh. They don't see it, that that's emotions. And again, there's nothing wrong. We, we have to have emotions. You know, we're emotional people. But there's churches where they just wind you up emotionally. You get all your money out of it, right? Wind you up. I've been in my services, you know. That is shallowness. People that really want to see God have a sense of depth. And the sense of depth starts, guess what? With me. Because if you, if you still want to see God mainly on other people, come on, y'all don't do that. Lord, change him, change her, change pastor. He preaches too long. <laughs> ain't going to happen. No. Right here, sunshine. This is where the reflection starts. Because this is what we're doing. We're using God's mirror like, oh, let me reflect it on you because you need a lot of help. You know how you did with a kid, you know, you get a little mirror and find where the sun was? Blind people. That's what we do in church. Oh, thank God pastor's preaching this because my husband really needs to hear this. Guess what? You need to hear this. You see, that is shallowness. Shallowness is God is, before God is anything else, he's a one-to-one. Before anything else, he's one-to-one. Religion, church, this comes after the one-to-one. Amen? You guys getting something out of this morning? Almost done, guys. And I'm losing you. All right. Let me see where we go. Um, okay, give me the next one. Let me see if we can finish these two. I don't know if I want to tackle the peacemakers, but I'm going to try. So, heart is used in the Bible for the will and the choices. And so to be pure in heart means that the decision one makes, the desire one has, the thoughts and intentions of the will are untarnished by sin, and that the will is determined to be pleasing to God. I know it's a lot in there, but that really is what it is. It's just keeping your heart in a reflection to God all the time. Are you a sinner? No. You were a sinner. You're saved by grace. Do you sin? Yes. You'll probably sin today in some form or fashion. That doesn't disqualify you to see him face to face. I mean, you go back through the Old Testament from Moses to Abraham to David, every one of them did some terrible things, and God still worked with them. I'm talking like terrible things, like killing, you know, your lover's husband. That's pretty serious. 
Hopefully none of you have done that. And God still dealt with him. Amen? And I could, I mean, we could just go through all the heroes of the Old Testament. They were a piece of work, every single one of them. And God said, you know what? I can work with them. And you know what's God telling you this morning? I can work with you. I can work with you if you just, just open it up a little bit. Start polishing that little mirror. Amen? Glory to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Man, I don't know if I should just go into this. Let's, let's try it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Because this, is, this one's a really big one for me. And I'm going to kind of join them. For they will be called the sons of God. Now, if you go back to the previous one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Listen, see how they flow. They shall see God, and they will be called the sons of God. Now, this is really interesting to me because... First of them, we have this relationship with God where we're, you know, we're re basically reflecting his glory and we're adjusting to it. But then he says, because of this action, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is, this is not a lot of depth into that. You know, I've, I've dug around a lot of this one. This is, to be honest with you, this is like one of my favorite ones. But the peacemaker is that person that navigates through life trying to create harmony. Wherever there's disorder, they try to bring order. Whenever there's a fight, they'll try to settle it down. You know somebody like that? You know, that doesn't like strife. And they navigate through life trying to create this because the whole plan of redemption is to provide peace. That is basically it. The very first thing the angels sang that we'll be celebrating, well, we're already celebrating Christmas, right? That officially started. That, you know, Christmas, the very first thing the angels proclaimed when they announced the birth of Christ said, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. That was the declaration. You say, well, Lord, we're, you know, we're a long way from peace on earth. Everybody's fighting. There's wars breaking out. We're on the verge of a big one over here in Ukraine. Um, what is he talking about? No, he's talking about inner peace. He's talking about the Christian in, the, in that world. In this world, you can have tribulation. In this world, you can have turmoil. In this world, you can have all kinds of craziness. And if there's one thing the Christians should stand out among this craziness is that you're full of peace. When people come to you, they've got to sense that peace. Are you here this morning? Let me ask you this question. Are you the kind of person that you would love to hang out with? Some of you are like, huh? Is that, is that too early for those kind of deep philosophical metaphors? Are you the kind of person that you would love to hang out with? And I think about that because I don't know if I can stand me. Some of you are like, we can't stand you either. That's fine. I can't stand me. We're good. We're in agreement now. But think about, you know, think about, are you the kind of person you would want to hang out with? Because, you know, the kind of people I want to hang out with are people that promote this. I mean, that's basically it. And I've got to make choices because the one thing in, in, this, in this season of my life, and I'm talking probably the last five years or so, but especially this season, the last three years, there's the one thing I've got to protect overall is the peace of God in my life. Everything, man. Because if I watch too much news, yeah, yeah turn the news off. You know, too much complaining, too much whining. Even if it's coming from me, i got to turn it off. Because that's the one thing that God will speak in. He speaks in peace. And the, the place where you're going to see his face and the place where you're going to hear his voice is in the be still. Remember? The psalmist, be still and know. Be still and know. And I'm telling you, in the, the fast-paced society that we live and everything is 100 miles an hour and people are living their life like they were trying to get somewhere, uh-uh, you lose that peace. And I think, you know, one of the, 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 really the dangers of today's technology, and I'm all about technology, you know, I got it everywhere. 
I'm a techie guy. Trust me, I am. But sometimes you've got to put the stuff down because it, it, just, it just absorbs your peace. You know, you can Facebook all day, TikTok all day, do whatever all day, you know, and, and you've got to put that phone down. Spend time with him. Spend, blessed, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. This is something because a peacemaker gets a title that is very unique in all of the Beatitudes. Nobody else gets this title. No one, not one of the Beatitudes gets the title to be called a son or a daughter of God. Isn't that, I mean, come on, people, listen to me. What privilege would it take for heaven to look down and say, that's a son of God right there. That's a daughter of God right there. That's a son of God right there. Now, we got millions upon millions of believers. God has a huge family throughout history. Many are in heaven. And this is not about not getting to heaven. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not about missing heaven. This is about being effective and enjoying your life also. Because a life to be enjoyed is a life that's full of peace. At the end of the day, it's not about money. People pursue money. You know why people pursue money? Because they're pursuing peace. They're saying, if I just get enough, there'll be a point in my life where I don't have to worry about it. Well, that, you know that's not true. Because the ones that have more want more and more and more. They always want more. They never stops. You know, but peace is that place where nothing can... No, there, there can't be a storm in this life. You get it now? You will go through stuff, but guess what? You don't have to lose your peace. There's a peace, the Bible says, that passes all understanding. It goes on to say, I will keep in perfect peace whose mind is set on me. Anytime you find yourself stressed out, nervous, wrecked, that's when you've got to slow down. You got to put everything away and say, Lord, why, why is this, you know, turbulation or, you know, turbulent issue in my life? Why does it feel like things are off? Settle down. Spend some time with God. And that sense of peace. And, and it, there's a, a paraphrase from the message translation that says, turn your worries into prayers. And it goes on to say, and it's quoting Philippians, turn your worries into prayers. And by doing so, I'm trying to, quoting the message, which is not easy. By doing so, it says, a sense of peace will overcome you. Isn't that cool? So when you're all stressed out, you don't need more information. You don't need more money. You don't need more. Yeah, I, I, I need all those things. Yes, right now what you need, you need to settle down. Because in peace, you'll make good choices. You don't make good choices when you're stressed out. You don't make good choices when you're full of anxiety. Come on. Before you make any choice in your life, what good or, or difficult or easy, you got to go to God and say, do I have peace over? Don't sign a contract without the peace of God on that thing. I'm, I'm just not telling you personal experiences, all of these. I've signed contracts where everything in my spirit said, don't do it, you're stupid. And I'm like, oh, I want it. You know, I lo traes, huh? You all know what I'm talking about. Our flesh wanted something more than, the, because the, the peace of God said, don't do it. But you're like, no, I don't want to hear that part. Don't marry it. I don't want to hear that part. And now you're in a mess. God, help me. I told you not to marry you. <laughs> you guys are not you're, not, you're not enjoying this one. The whole plan of redemption, the whole plan is to provide peace with God. That's the bottom line. For those who are formally alienated from God and ultimately bring peace to the whole world, this is the goal of the work of Messiah. It begins with reconciliation with God and extends to the reconciliation with other people. Now, I don't have the scripture up there, but I just want to read it just to bring it home. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to show you what, what he means by that. There's a lot of scriptures you could talk about the peace of God, but I, don't, I just want to show you with this one what he means by that. 
2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, and it says, If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Pay attention to this. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself, here it comes, and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. You know what is the biggest thing that will draw people to God? Especially people that know you, especially people that know you before Jesus. The biggest change is not that you got out of drugs. The biggest change is that you don't party anymore. I mean, that's a good change. The biggest change is they're going to pick up on the peace of God. That's the biggest one. Because they remember your old negative self and always complaining and always full of fear and always full of worry and always full of, you know, talking ugly about other people and just being a mess and getting in conflict and strife. And, and all of a sudden you're like, you're not this person anymore. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And like, um, yes, but I don't care to comment on it. Really? So you're just chismosa, yora? I heard a word. I heard a word that only Heavenville, it was a lady who used to come to our church. I mean, I'm not going to say names, but anyway. She, she was really mad because she was, they were talking about her, and she came. It had nothing to do with my sermon, so I was just funny. And she made up a word I had never heard, and I use it now. Because in, in Spanish, you got two words. You got entrometido. You guys know what that is? You guys look all like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't speak Spanish. Okay. Entrometido y metiche. Those are two words. You guys know what that is? You guys look at me like you guys forgot all your Spanish. Okay. Entro, so she came up with a word, entrometiche. And I'm like, I like that one. I'm using that one. That just blends them in, you know. It just fixes the whole thing. So no sean entrometiches, right? But you know what I'm saying? That transformation, people will say, really, dude? You know, come on, you know, and I don't do that anymore. Oh, you, you got religion. No, I don't have religion. I have peace. And every time I hang out with you guys, you guys have a way of destroying all my peace. So <laughs> you guys are like peace vacuums, all right? So y'all go do what you got to do. I love you, but I'm not hanging out with you anymore. That is, that is a person that has taken seriously the pursuit of peace. And I did a, I did a few teachings on this a few weeks ago, so I don't want to over that, but the, 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 the scripture in Hebrews, you guys heard this like two weeks ago, it says, means hunt. It says, search peace with everyone and holiness. So it says, search holiness and peace with everyone. Without it, you will not see the Lord. We talked a lot about that scripture. But that word peace is a hunting term. We got to hunt this. We got to, on purpose, every time this week, you have a sense of somebody dragging you into a conversation where it's about somebody else or it's just a bunch of nonsense. You have to make a choice. And it's not a, you're not better than any of us. All you got to tell them is, I'm working on something. I'm just working on something. What is it? I'm working on myself. I'm working on trying to be a better person. I'm trying to get some of these negative stuff out of my life. You know, that's what I'm doing. So being a peacemaker, I think, is one of the really, really, really important ones. That I, you know, there is a flow to the Beatitudes, and I'm going to stop there. There is a flow to the Beatitudes, and each one kind of builds on the other one. So if you really want to get serious about this, you go to the first one. Okay, what is he talking about? You know, how do I deal with grief? How do I deal with sadness? Because that's all he's talking about. You know? how, do, how do I deal with you know, this hunger of spirit? And as you're building into him, you get into, okay, now I'm going to see God. I'm going to have his heart. Got that. But now guess what happens? Because of all these, one, line upon line, line upon line, now you're in a place where things that used to mess you up, things that used to make you a ball, things that used to get really ex, you know, excited in a bad way about, they don't bother you. 
They don't bother you. Trust me. I used to be that guy. Any little thing of conflict, I would go, Rrr! you know, there was a lot of strife in our life. I'm being honest with you. I'm not going to, my son's here, my family's hearing this. There was a lot of stuff, you know, that we had to navigate. But the sad thing is, you know, the sad thing would be to, I have stayed there. No, I saw the corrections. I'm still working on them. I'm not there yet. So if I have a bad day, cut me some slack. But those of you that have known me over 20 years know that the same guy that you met 20 years is not the same guy I talking to you today. Because I've had to take things in my life and say, dude, you need to fix this. And it hurts, and it's painful, and you just got to stay with it and stay with it and stay with it. And one day you just start walking in this peace. And I'm getting, you know, there's, there's very, little, very little things that upset me now. Where everything used to just set me off, man, just very little few things, you know, just ugh, hurt me like that. Most of them, they, they bother me, and I kind of filter it, and I let the peace of God just come in. And it's gone. And you don't let it, whatever's stealing your peace, you don't let it set a root. You don't give it time. You analyze it, you say, it's not worth losing the peace. It's, it's not worth my time to get involved in that conversation. Or you got a better one? That's not my fight. That's not my fight. Some of you need to listen to that one. You know, don't, you know, you got enough to work on with your own self. You don't need to go trying to fix everybody else. It's like, I love <laughs> what am I going to do with all this time now? Maybe work on yourself, you know? You're always trying to fix, fix everybody else up. I'm serious. This is the one thing. If I could tell you one thing to pursue, you know, put it as a 2023 challenge. Become a peacemaker. Watch it, the environment in your house change. Watch your kids start, you know, changing the environment, changing the environment. Pretty soon your house just becomes such a peaceful place, you know, such a peaceful place. And people want, you know, you go to those houses. You go to the house, you can feel the presence. Just like you go to the house and you feel the negative presence. You guys have gone there. You go to some homes like, woo, dude, what? You said, una limpia, okay, right? This is bad. No, it's just, it's not, I'm just, I'm just messing with y'all, you know. That's, I don't believe that. I'm saying, that's the stuff that you walk in there. It's people that are about themselves. It's about them. It's a, it's a, I'll, I'll just say it. It's a spiritual, narcissistic spirit, if I can see it that way. It's all about me, my needs, and, you know, I'm, it's not cussing, but it's everybody else can go to hell. It's all about me. It's all about me. You know, those people are very toxic. And if you are, some of you are like, well, I'm married to that guy. I'll, I'll pray for you then. But um, I'm just saying, those are the kind of, <laughs> those are the kind of things you, you make choices. Say, so, you know what? I used to love to get involved in all this. But you know what? I'm working on something. I'm working on the peace that passes understanding. It doesn't even make sense why I have peace, but I have peace. And I sh- I, I'll close with this. I shared that some guy was getting all worked up about the Ukraine situation. And, and I mean, it, it is serious. You know, don't, don't take it lightly. And they were like, you know, what if, what if, you know, what if they drop and you know, throw a nuclear bomb? And, I, and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty serious. But at the end of the day, watch. I have no control over it. So guess what's the next thing? I'm not going to lose my peace over it. You want to you leave some of this this morning? If you didn't get anything else, it's, if you don't have control over it, don't lose your peace over it. Simple as that. If it's out of my control, it's out of my control. Now, if I have some influence, if I can say something positive, to help diffuse the situation, I will. But a lot of stuff I see it, you know, conflicts, family conflicts, whatever. I, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'm not getting involved this time. That's not my, that's not my dog. You know, we're not getting in that one. Now, if you want some advice, I can give you advice on how to fix it, but I am not going to jump in the water with you because I'm working on this piece. Amen? Did you get something out of it this morning? Go ahead and stand with me. Why don't you give the Lord a big hand clap? I think he, he has one coming this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's pray this morning, and I want to...
share a couple of things before I let you go. That um, Open your heart this morning. You know, if, if these, I know it's a little kind of you know, teaching format, but go home and think about some of this stuff. Go home and identify the two, area, the, the two things. I want to summarize this, this message with two things. Number one, you have a right to see God. Don't let anybody tell you different. Don't let your own conscience tell you different. You have a right to see God. And you're going to begin to see him in, in so many places of your life daily in little things that you've never noticed. Number one. And number two, you have a right to be a peacemaker. You do. So fight this. You don't have to fight. It's fine. If I didn't say peace and fight together, right? But you have to fight it to be at peace. Because there will be so many things that are going to try to, try to steal it, steal it, steal it, steal it. And that's where the maturity comes. That's where, you know, back to the other statement, this is where we're not shallow anymore. This is where I can see beyond, you know, somebody, somebody offends me, I can see beyond their offense. See that? I can forgive you so quick now because my forgiveness is not so much about what you did to me. My forgiveness now is about protecting my peace. So I, I don't have time to be mad at you. I don't have time to be offended at you. I'm like, dude, you want to be that ugly person? God bless you. I am not taking it home. Amen? Maybe some of you need to do that this morning. Maybe somebody's hurt your feelings. Maybe somebody's put you in a place that you're very, very uncomfortable. Guess what? That's not your fight. Let it go. That's a word from the Lord. Some of you need to let it go. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. I thank you where you're taking us with this series of learning how to, how to do life and how to manage life. And, Father, we take very, very serious these instructions, Lord. If you, Jesus, if you thought it this important to be your very first sermon, we don't want to take it lightly. And, Lord, as we look at the blessings and the blessed is this and the blessed is that, Father, and the empowerment that comes with these, these character modifications that your spirit will do in our life. I pray right now for those that, that have trouble forgiving. Father, for those that have been hurt so deep that they said, I can never, ever forgive this. And I, and I know I'm speaking to somebody. I don't know who, but if I got my eyes closed. But if that's you, just listen. If you're watching me online, or you might hear this on a podcast three years down the road. It's still this word of God. Just because there's a timestamp doesn't make it void. But here's the, here's the thing. The Spirit of God is here. And He will help you forgive. He will, he will do something so supernatural that you'll walk out of this building. And that doesn't mean you've got to hang out with these people. That doesn't mean you have to have lunch with them. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. That just simply means that that tumor, that tumor of hate, that tumor of pain is not going to grow in you anymore. And I'm using the word tumor because that's what I came up in my spirit because that's exactly what it is. That root of bitterness is not going to grow into a tree. We are called to be peacemakers. And the very first one starts with you and God making peace this morning. And the second one is you and people making peace. That means you release people out of your life now. You focus on, on your priorities. Your priority is to make peace with God. So, Father, we come, and I come first and foremost, Father. Like I always say, I'm not preaching at them. I'm preaching with them. That We all need this word. We all have adjustments to make to be better people. We all have adjustments, Father, to navigate through life and enjoy the moment and enjoy this thing that's called life. Enjoy your spirit. Enjoy our spirituality, God. Not, nothing heavy, nothing tedious, Lord. And right now we release all anxiety, all unforgiveness, Everything that has tried to tell us that, that we can't have peace in our life. Father, we pursue peace. We pursue this shalom with everything we have. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as I pray right now, there are people that are getting set free, that they will not going to have to be in this depression and this anxiety anymore. 
And that, Father, they know. They know that we are called the children of God. The peacemakers are called the children of God. That title only goes to the peacemakers. And, Father, I want to be called a child of God. And if that entails being a peacemaker, so be it. I receive it this morning. I pray for everyone listening. I pray for our online church. If there's anybody here listening to me this morning that you don't know Jesus as your Savior, in-house or online, I want you to say this prayer, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you just as I am, and I give you my life. I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God, and I receive you as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. You see, you can open your eyes. If you pray that prayer, you have every right for anybody else in this room that's been doing it for God knows how many years, you know. There is no time frame. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. That's it. Now, what comes after that is these kind of things, right? We learn how to do this. We learn how to do that. We adjust this. We correct that. And before you you look at your marriage, you know, a little bit down the line, your marriage will be a whole different thing. Your kids will be a whole different situation. Your finances will be a whole different situation. I mean, just keep going down the line.